Family Fellowship Chapels podcast. We want to welcome you in uh, with our podcast viewers, and we want to welcome in our Facebook viewers uh, this evening. We're going to study on the topic of faith, and we're going to answer the question, who operates in faith? I want to welcome those of you that are joining us both by Facebook and by podcast. I want to remind you, you can contact us at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministry.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. We're glad to have you. We're looking forward to about a 30-minute study on who operates in faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you, Father, because you open our eyes that we can see, our ears that we can hear, and our heart that we can understand what the Word of God says to us. And then you allow us to apply it to our lives and be changed into the image of your dear Son. Now, Father, may Jesus speak to us today directly out of the throne room and through the Holy Spirit Show us what we need to know, do, demonstrate, and understand. As he reveals, we'll receive it and release it to your people. Your people will be corrected. Your people will be blessed. Your people will be moved into a deeper walk with you. For all of that, we give you praise and honor and glory in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen. So tonight we're going to talk about who operates in faith, and I think uh, if I get through most of this, uh, you will be able to see that uh, not everybody operates in faith. Not everybody operates in faith. Before I go any further, I want to thank Tim and Diane Epling for coming to us from the Beckley, West Virginia, Anstead, West Virginia area speaking to us and sharing with us the dynamic message of the encounter. What a message it is. What a message of God's love and graciousness. And we're very thankful for Tim and for Diane to have come and been with us. And we uh, will not be the only group that gets to hear that dynamic story of what God did and how God protected one of his children. And this should encourage you as you move forward that God knows right where you are and what you're doing. And he is there always taking care of his investment in you. Well, today we're going to look into Romans chapter 12. Let's look at it. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Of course, we're going to focus this teaching on the last 12 words of verse 3, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. This scripture follows what we read 
of Paul imploring all believers to present themselves a living sacrifice that is holy and acceptable to God. This, of course, being your reasonable service to him in whom you have believed. We know that this presentation allows us not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, which has been dealt every man a measure of faith. This mind renewal is associated with our position in the priesthood. When Paul speaks of the sacrifice that's necessary, he is bringing to memory the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. From the sacrifice, the high priest, after the order of Melchizedek, would minister the blood on the vessels of ministry in the tabernacle. When Paul places this presentation of a sacrifice, he's including the presenter as a member of the royal priesthood. Then in verse 3, based upon what the believer has done with respect to verses 1 and 2 of Romans 12, he tells him, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. Why should that be? Because in Philippians 2, he tells us of the humility of Jesus Christ and the obedience of our Lord. Here are some additional verses that will describe his obedience. Look into Matthew 26, 39. And he went a little beyond and fell on his face and prayed, My Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. John 14, 30. I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. Philippians 2, 8. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of a cross. Verse Romans 5.18, So then as though one transgression there resulteth condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. Now watch what he says next in Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. But to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. But to think soberly so that what you think is based upon the measure of faith that God has dealt you. Here is where the message of faith becomes somewhat sidetracked. It is squarely in the mind of man. It is how man thinks that derails faith. Let's look and see. Proverbs 28, 7. For as he, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers, whatsoever is true, whatsoever is honorable, whatsoever is just, whatsoever is pure, lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Colossians 3, 1. If you, then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are of the earth. For you have died and your life is hid with Christ in God. First Peter 5, 8. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. 
It's been said for years that the opposite of faith is fear. Certainly, that is true. But faith is addressed as a different way to think. Man in his control of the vast domain of his own mind has learned to use his thinking to reject the things of God. He's used his mind to paralyze the gift that has been given him. So even though man has been given a gift of the measure of faith, man has stagnated that faith by using his thinker, his own brain, to analyze and to break down, to calculate and compute their way into paralyzing what measure of faith was given to them. Our mind becomes the issue. Now our inner man can be saved and our faith be stagnant. How can that be? Well, in believing on Jesus Christ, we were able to accept by faith a substance, which we now know is grace, that we could not see, that was matched with an evidence, which we now know is the work of the blood, as positioned by the Holy Ghost. This resulted in a changed inner man and a renewed mind. Of course, this precipitated a change, a change of life and a change of lifestyle. Our faith, which is a gift from God, has worked when coupled with grace and the blood. It was based upon the enlightenment of a very simple message. Jesus loves you. He died for you. He died for your sins. Believe on him and he will forgive you of your sin and there is eternal life with him if you do. Now, due in many cases to the teaching of the, the place where man goes, if he does not believe in the blood, the work of Jesus, many men will pray that prayer and exercise their measure of faith. God, who has given the gift, is faithful to connect with the inner man. Now here is where the walk of faith should be and must be expanded. It is meant to grow into a dynamic ability. Look what it has done with just a measure. It has saved you. Saving you is the greatest work ever accomplished and done so by the plan of God. Because in saving you, he reconnected you to your creator. It has restored the original image and the original condition of the soul. Then it has made you the righteousness of God, which has provided you the knowledge of your eternal dwelling. My friend, your faith has done a lot. Now here's truth. Do you see what you did, what he did for you internally? Have you seen the new birth? Did you watch it occur in you? Have you entered into the heavenly domain to see the heaven that is promised you from what is transacted in the new birth, in the spirit man, and in the renewed mind? Well, no. You take all of that by faith. What is the outward manifestation of the things of which you did not see? Well, if the actions have occurred in you, then you will see a change of personality. For out of the abundance of what is in you, the mouth speaks. 
The fruit of the Spirit will become apparent in your interactions with others. The old ways, acts, and behaviors will diminish because you've received a new director of operations internally. So having believed to this extent on a work you cannot see, in a place you cannot go, but exhibiting the effects of the work in your outer man, faith, my friend, has not only done a lot, but it has done it very successfully. Now that we've established that we must ask this question, now that we've established what faith has done internally that we cannot see, but we know we've experienced, we ask this question. Has the work of faith ceased in the development of the believer? Is the work of faith done when you got saved? Of course, the answer to that is no. Then what prevents us from receiving the things that we cannot see and manifesting them in our outer man? We know this is not only possible, but that it has already been done if we have connected grace to the blood and accepted Jesus Christ. We fail, my friends, to think soberly. We analyze the work this way. Now this is what Jesus died for, so that's very easy to believe. This forgiveness thing is a healing of my transgressions, iniquities, lost peace, and physical and spiritual healing. Well, he died for that, of course. That I can see. I can wrap my mind around that, therefore I can exercise my gift of faith readily and easily based on those facts. Why? Because their actions specifically that we and the Word have associated with the grace design of God for the saving of man. Beyond that, my thinker, my brain, gets squarely in the way of anything else because we're not taught to expand upon the use of our faith. We're not taught on the appropriations of the name of Jesus. We're not shown the correlation of the names of Jesus to the plan of salvation. Therefore, our thinker serves to analyze, calculate, and decipher based upon what our natural mind can grasp. Well, that's a real problem for faith in the spirit world. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 2 verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Faith is attached to spiritual things not natural things. We will not use our brain, our thinker, that's attached to the things of our natural senses and ever understand anything about grace and the blood and grace and the works that are associated with Jesus Christ. No. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. That word is the rhema word of revelation or the utterance that comes out of the Godhead. The spirit of this world seeks and understands the natural components of what the natural mind can conceive. Yes, the natural mind is extremely powerful, but without the input of the spirit, the natural mind is also extremely limited. Now remember, the natural mind can conceive the understanding of the new birth because it can see 
after the new birth has happened by faith, the changes in your structure, in your personality, in your attitudes, the natural mind can comprehend that. It's a spiritual work that's accomplished when grace and the blood of Jesus Christ connect and our inner man is directed by the Holy Spirit, but our mind can grasp it because we can readily see the difference in structure of attitude, personality, character, thinking, uh, going places, who, who we want to associate with. Then our faith grasps that work and we're saved. Our natural mind can grab it, but it has absolutely nothing to do with it. The accepting of the work of the grace and the blood is done by faith. But yet, out of that mind will come the change in personality and character and attitude. Some say that man is operating into the natural world under a perverted faith. I say that man is operating in the natural world under his own natural ability to think. Faith is given to every man, but it is only in operation. Faith is only in operation to those who do the following. Number one, they think soberly. They think soberly. Thinking soberly means that they have fulfilled what Paul said in Galatians chapter one and uh, chapter twelve and verse one and two, that they are no longer conformed to this world, and they have turned themselves over to holiness. They have sacrificed themselves. When you're willing to not conform and sacrifice yourself to the God of the universe and holiness and purity, then and only then. Are you thinking soberly? Well, as Romans 12, 1 and 2 said, they present the sacrifice of themselves. They're not conformed to this world. They have received of the things of God. And these things then expose the things that are freely given to us by the Godhead. If you are not operating in those five principles, my friend, you're not thinking soberly. Therefore, faith, that is the measure that is dealt to us by God, is not in operation. Your mind, your natural mind, your thinker, your calculator is working. It is not working in the spiritual world because it's not thinking a sacrifice, a conformed life to spiritual things. It's not receiving of the things of God and therefore it is not thinking soberly. Sober thinking finds at the core of all it does and all it is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Getting up in the morning, going to bed at night and the rest of the minutes and moments between all being focused on one thing, and that is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. With these five points, faith is in practical use and resulting in the apprehension now of things that are freely given. Now I want to stop here and I want to make sure you understand this. There are two kinds of operations where faith is involved. One of those operations is the Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 mechanism 
that tells us how grace and faith come together. Grace working with blood forms in you and you apply your faith to what's been formed in your inner man and it works its way out and it's not something you can boast on, but it occurs, such as the new birth, such as healing, those things that are coming from the promises that are in Christ Jesus. That is the Ephesians 2.8 rendering that is given to every man in and among the believers. That's who Paul is talking to, who are willing to think soberly and build and define in themselves the Christ that's in you. Let him form in you and then bring what he has formed out of you in faith. Then there is the Galatians 2.20 act of faith. Paul said, the life that I live, I live now after the faith of the Son of God. My faith now goes into a new realm. It's no longer a faith that is formed in me. It's a faith that is formed above me. Tim said this so well this morning, and I don't know whether you caught it or not. He said there is a faith, and then there is a knowing. There is a faith, and then there is a knowing. Our faith, operating and being formed in us, is operating by grace, the blood, the acts of Jesus Christ, forming in us, being drawn out of us by faith. Then there is the knowing that Paul refers to in Galatians 2.20, where he is no longer operating on his own faith. He's operating on the known faith of Jesus Christ. And it is in the known faith of Jesus Christ that Paul makes this statement in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, where he says, Every promise in him is yea and amen. Every promise in him, in him, in him. When we operate on the knowing of the in him, we are now operating on what is known in heaven and formed in heaven that is being brought through us by the Holy Spirit and now manifesting out into our world. We are using that faith practically. But in order to use it practically, we have to think soberly and we have to make sure that we have sacrificed, that we have not conformed, that we are living uh, under the things that we're receiving of God. If man doesn't think soberly, he's thinking natural thoughts. These natural thoughts will keep him from sacrificing himself. He will remain conformed to the world of the natural thinking. In that natural thinking, the receipt of the things of God, of God are not available because he cannot attain the things that are freely given whenever his mind is not thinking soberly. Verse 13, which things also we speak, not in words uh, which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing, now watch it, now watch it, now watch it, spiritual things with spiritual. Paul declares a natural wisdom that is teaching man. What is that wisdom doing? It's using, is it using faith and perverting it? Is it teaching perverted faith or is it teaching that man through the natural wisdom 
is a God unto himself. Well, he's teaching a natural wisdom that gives man the ability to think, define, describe, and develop solutions. Are these thoughts in accordance with the work of the Spirit? Not according to Paul. They are the antithesis of the thoughts of the Holy Spirit. They are the wisdom of man. Now how can we say that the wisdom of man is faith operating in the natural? Knowing that faith, watch me now, was a gift to man given by God. Man does not use the gift of faith in any form until it is used in coordination with the message of grace and the works associated with the blood or the acts of Jesus Christ or until it operates in the knowing of which now operates in the faith of Jesus Christ. Man is not using a perverted faith. Man is using his own intellect. And in that, man is saying, I'm my own God. I can think my own thoughts. I can do my own thing. I can live my own way. I can be whatever I want to be. I can go wherever I want to go. No one tells me what to do. You know that message. It's pervasive in our world today. So as we live and we see this pervasive method of the intellect, we know that that's not living in the gift of faith given by God because Paul did not say that this measure of faith was given out to the, to the Corinthians. He said, this measure of faith is given to those who are among you and those who are among you are to think soberly. Huh? Man doesn't use the gift in any form until it is used in cooperation with the message of grace and the work of the blood of the acts of Jesus Christ. Until then, men are circulating on their own wisdom. Now I'm going to explain that to you before I get done tonight. But I want to tell you, in every man lays the ability to have the gift of God move within him as the Holy Ghost activates the reproof that brings about conviction and convincing. At that point, the gift of God will be appropriated and will be activated in mankind. It lays dormant, just as the spirit man is laying dormant. When it is used soberly concerning spiritual things, then faith becomes alive. Natural man is operating on natural instinct, natural intellect. Why? He can't be operating in the faith of God. It's operating in a faith or in an intellect that is after his daddy, the devil. Now why do men circulate and use their own wisdom? Because only through faith that is the gift given by God can man come to know Jesus Christ. The gift of faith that's given to every man is specific to that purpose. It is the mechanism that allows man to compare spiritual things to spiritual things. Now watch what happens when faith, based on what the Holy Ghost is doing to reprove you, to convict you and convince you, watch what happens whenever faith is circulated because of the message of the Holy Spirit. So let's draw this as a conclusion. 
when man is saved, he is uh, uh, he compares spiritual things to spiritual things. What are we saying? He sees because of the word of God and the reproof of the Holy Spirit and the conviction thereof, the devastation of his own spirit. And he compares that to the message that has been brought by the Holy Ghost. Now you have two spirits comparing, of which Paul said in Romans 8 that they come together and balance. They join my spirit with the Holy Spirit. So, he compares where he is in the spirit world, and he sees himself, possibly for the first time, maybe for the millionth time, as a deprived sinner. And he sees the other part of the spirit world that shows this message of love and care, this message of one dying for this deprived spiritual life of which you are entangled and in bondage to. He hears about this man who will uh, save you and forgive you and deliver you and, and give you an eternal life in the midst of pure light to walk the streets of gold and he compares his deprived life with this light in the spirit world that is coming to him as a gift by Jesus Christ. Now he compares spirit with spirit and he says, that world, that's no good because I see, I recognize the alternative world and the alternative world is a much safer world. It's a much better world it's a kinder world. It's a world of love and grace and truth and mercy. It's a world of long-suffering. It's a world where the glory of God shines upon me. And as he compares, he eliminates. He becomes convinced by the Holy Spirit. He prays and he believes in this new creation offered by the Holy Spirit in the spirit world and finds the head, Jesus Christ. As he compares the two, he determines that the old spirit state is deficient, and it pales absolutely in comparison to this new life offered by the Holy Spirit. A choice is then defined, and a transaction occurs. There's a change, there's a transformation that happens. He goes from natural wisdom like Nicodemus and says, how do I be born again to being born of the water and the blood in a new creation? Because he found the man that God sent because he loved him. And now he believes. Condemnation flees. And this old world of natural wisdom is laid off to the side. A transaction has made the change. Why is that important? When man functions by his own wisdom, he can only compare, watch now, natural things to natural things. In the natural, there are natural answers available, but they do not cover 
all of the possibilities or all of the potential opportunities that are available. Therefore, man who operates in his own mind in the thinker is operating from a limited scope of understanding that always has not only limits, but borders and boundaries. Only those who do the five points listed above can operate in the spiritual because the spiritual is operated in and through the gift of faith that is measured to a man who thinks soberly. Are you a sober thinker? Or are you a natural thinker? That will tell you a lot about how your faith is working. It will tell you a lot about why your faith isn't working. Or it will tell you why your faith is working. Now I started this by asking the question, who can operate faith? The child of the, of the living God who comes in through the new birth. That person can operate in faith. That person can take grace and the blood and transcend that into all of the things that Jesus died for. I won't go through the seven things that happened on the cross again. You know what they are. The seven places that Jesus bled that will all couple with grace. I won't go through the names of Jesus Christ, our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. But I will tell you, he was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your iniquity and the chastisement of your peace was upon him. And by, your stri- by his stripes you're healed. My friend, if you will use your faith soberly based on the truth of God's word and let the Holy Spirit reprove you, teach you, convict you and convince you, faith will develop in you. It will be formed by grace and the blood. And you will then be able to apply your faith, that great gift of God that comes from the measureless span. Going to close with this from Tim Epling. He said the measureless span that the Jews teach is a nine-inch span between the tip of the finger and the tip of the thumb. That's a measure. You look at my hand, and my hand is not an overly large hand. But now I want you to look at that hand from the hand of Jesus. Then I want you to look at that hand from the hand of the Father. Now I want you to see the expanse of faith that is being brought to you and being provided to you. But in order to use it appropriately, You're going to have to think soberly. You're going to have to get into the Word of God. And you're going to have to keep the main thing, the main thing. Are you a sober thinker? Are you a thinker that thinks on the Word of truth? Are you a sober thinker that agrees with the Word of God? Are you a sober thinker that walks in revelation of divine truth? Are you a sober thinker that hears the voice of Jesus Christ as He speaks out of the Godhead? Are you a sober thinker who is guided and led into all truth? Are you a sober thinker that is being shown things to come? Or are you a natural thinker that bases and focuses all of your thoughts out of your own intellect? And things that you see, the trinkets of this world, 
mean a lot to you. My friend, your faith will not manifest until you become a sober thinker. Father, I praise you for the word of God. May God richly bless, open our eyes that we can see. May we think on the right things. And may the measure of faith that you have given us bring us into the manifestation of the things that grace and the blood have formed in us and may they become the reality in our world, manifested in our world so that we can walk in the dynamic of not only blessing, but in the dynamic of your spirit life and so that we can minister and move in your presence by faith. We give you praise and honor and glory for every word of it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. I see so many people signing in, Linda and Susie Lawson and uh, Jim and Tammy. Appreciate you. Uh, There are others up there that I, I can't see right this minute. Charles, I know you were on. Listen, friends, we can operate in this thing. We just have to operate it from a sober mind, from a mind that has stayed on Jesus Christ. He will bless you and he will keep you. May God richly bless you as you move forward, operating out of the greatest amount of possible measure that God has to give you in faith. God bless you until we speak again. Well, podcast friends, we appreciate you. May God richly bless you. We'll look forward to sharing this, the rest of this message with you sometime on Monday, uh, the 31st of uh, July. May God richly bless you. Find him as Lord. You'll find him in meeting everything that need of everything that has a name. Find him as the man in the Godhead, and he'll speak to you and show you things to come. God bless you.